0: This morning we'll be in Proverbs chapter one. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, and while you're turning there, we'll go over some events that'll be taking place um, here at the church. Uh, I think the next one is the youth night. We've got some flyers out there for that. They're going to be playing tower ball at at Beal Park at the sand at the sand volleyball courts. Tower ball is just a variation of volleyball. It's a little easier for everybody else. (laughs) You can figure it out when you get there. But that'll be coming up on the 28th or 27th, excuse me, five to eight, and they'll meet there. Um, for that. The next thing is a potluck, September 3rd. I know it's the long weekend, so some of you may be here, some of you may not, um, but uh, we got leftovers to use, so we're going to we're gonna feed those to whoever dares to come at this potluck. No, it's good stuff. We're going to have a taco bar, um, and so then the men's breakfast, September 23rd at 8 a.m. Um, we're starting a new chapter of Turning Point USA here at Calvary Chapel. The faith group will be sharing about that and We'll be talking about that, and if you want to be involved in that. But it's not a recruitment. It's just letting you know what's going on with that. So that's the 23rd, so join us for that. All right, let's pray. We'll get started. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. Uh, Ahead of time, it's always life. Um, We've got two paths to choose, which we'll learn about uh, this morning. Um, One for life and one for destruction. And we choose life this morning, God. We're here to hear your word, to hear from your Holy Spirit. Um to be encouraged uh, in our walk, or maybe change direction in our walk, or whatever you have for us, we want to be open to that, our hearts wide open to you. Uh, we thank you for the blessing it was to worship you in song, because you're worthy of worship, and it always lifts us up in the process of lifting you up. Um, now we pray your word would do the same. We, uh, we honor you, we honor your word, um, and we, uh, we submit to it in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs is a wonderful book of uh, wisdom. Solomon is the main author. There are a few others in there, and we'll identify those as we go through, if they're identifiable. Some of them we're not sure. Um, But for the most part, it's King Solomon. King Solomon was king because he was the son of David. He was chosen by God to be the next king after King David. Saul was the first king of Israel. David was the second and Solomon was the third. Solomon was the one to be able to build the temple. Um, David wanted to build the temple. God said, no, you can't. You're a man of blood. But you can certainly, because of war and all and, 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 and many other reasons, but but your son can do it. And so David got all the building materials ready for it and kind of even had the plans and really turned them over to Solomon to do, to build this house of God in the nation of Israel and in Jerusalem. So that's who we're talking about here. Now, One of the things notable about Solomon was when he became king, as any, you know, we talk about pastor's kids. (laughs) Imagine being a prince. (laughs) You got my job when I'm dead, you know, kind of thing. Uh, I'm not so sure I want that job, you know, king. Solomon got it anyway. Now, we did have a brother, sort of, a half-brother, Absalom, who really wanted it. Was really to take it from his dad before his dad was dead, but God said, "No, that's that's not who's supposed to be king. It's Solomon." So Solomon, well, he accepts this coronation, and God says, uh, in, in prayer he asks God, um, "You know, I want wisdom." Is basically what he says. God says, uh, "You can you can ask for anything. I'll, I'll equip you for whatever you need of you know, as a king, and because you've accepted this." And he says, "I, I want." wisdom. And, and God said, because you've asked for wisdom, and here's the point of why I'm bringing this up. Because you've asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you all the other stuff you didn't ask for. See, some people think that it's the rich that get to pontificate to everybody else because they've got the power, they've got the platform and the position. And that's not always the case. Many times the people are in those positions because they've submitted to the Lord early on in their lives, and they followed the Lord and obeyed the Lord, and God has lifted them up and exalted them to the point where they can write books about these things. And so as Solomon takes us through this first proverb this morning, and I'm not sure how fast we'll go through this book, um, so I'm going to only do one chapter this morning, but I might have to pick up the pace here a little bit. But only one, so we'll get through one chapter. He tries to explain that, In the process of following God, that is the way to win at this life, basically. And I'm not talking about financially only, although that's a part of it, but spiritually, emotionally, and in every other way, that's how you live your life. You live your life according to God, and this is the fruit of a life lived in obedience to God's word, okay? So that's the point. That's what Proverbs is all about, trying to impart what Solomon has learned As God has given him wisdom, and he's followed that wisdom, that this is not just for me, it's for us as well. Verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion, A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and the riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. In these first seven verses, he concludes with, there are two paths, basically. One is to have the fear of the Lord, and another is to just despise God's wisdom And rejected. And he said that earlier in the Old Testament. God has laid before us two paths, one for life and one for destruction, and he begs us to choose life. Solomon says the same thing here. He says, I want you to choose life. I'm I'm leading you in that path. But you do have a choice as to which path you're going to take. All the time. We always have a choice. Every morning I wake up, before my feet hit The ground. I wake up in prayer. I don't know what it is. I just wake up in prayer. Oh, God help. (laughs) That's how it starts most mornings, mainly because I'm pretty stiff, you know, but there's more to that. I don't know what the day is going to bring. I don't know what things I'm going to run into. And I I know that I'm not going to be able to have the wisdom to do these things. When Solomon was given the keys to the kingdom, you know, and he looks around, and he says, I, I'm just a boy. He, he wasn't. I mean, he's a full-grown man. But he says, I feel like a boy. I don't know how to run a kingdom. I don't know how to store up crops for national security. I don't know how to maintain a, a well-oiled machine of a military operation. I don't know who to pick for generals. I don't know who to listen to, who not to listen to. That's a That's a lot. When I think about being the president of the United States. I'm not going to be, but I think about those who are going to be the president of the United States. Can you imagine? We expect so much from these candidates. We sit there and say, now, how are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? I would be up there saying, I have no idea. What do you think of North Korea? Some days I want to blow them up. Other days I want to feed them. I don't know what to do with these people. You know, I love the people, the leadership's crazy. It's complicated. It's so complicated. That's why there's a cabinet. That's why there's advisors. That's why you hope to pick the right people to help you. Do this because I can't do this by myself. And Solomon fully recognized his inability and inadequacy to run a country. He says, God, I need your wisdom. I need your perspective. I need your lips in my ears constantly. And God says, that's a really good answer. And guys, I don't have to wait to be king or eventually the opportunity may arise for you to be in a leadership role to ask for those lips in your ears. That's what you do now. You do it now. God, I need wisdom to be able to maintain a healthy marriage or to even find a wife or to find a husband or to raise children or to do my job today without blowing my top against all of my coworkers. You know, I need wisdom now. That's a great prayer. It's a safe prayer. Um, what, what God wants to do is to teach us to live this life. That's what the Proverbs are about. If you notice, there's, there's 31 Proverbs. Um, was it, 31 and 32? Wait, 31. 31 Proverbs. I, I had it right, right? I doubt, I doubt myself. 30, I knew that. I was just making sure. 31 Proverbs. And so, you know, when there's 31 days in the month, you see that's it's, i need a I need a devotional he got one built in it's a built in devotional every morning I read a proverb well, oh, I don't know which one to read well it's it, what is it august twentieth uh, so which proverb do you read twenty right easy I learned that a long time so I just read that and then oh that had everything I need for today and then twenty one twenty two twenty two and then when you're done in 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 twelve months you've gone through proverbs, the book of wisdom from God to you 12 times, that has got to be beneficial, right? God is trying to teach us how to live this life the right way, not the worldly way. I have six children, and I mention them often, right? And so far, I've taught four of them how to drive, or at least tried to help them. They do get the book, but there's a lot of us time, you know, and practicing. And the beauty of it, here's a, here's a, a hack put them in a car where there's no obstacles in a field someplace and say, just drive slow and go. Just figure it out. What does it feel like when turning? There's no curbs. There's no traffic. Just go. And and Mariah will take her, our 250,000-mile our Highlander and just kind of go through the hill and dale and just drive around and brake and stop and turn and back up and blinkers and all that and just get in the feel of it without all that other pressure. Parallel parking comes at the very end, and we do that here in the parking lot. Bring your kids to the parking lot and set up two giant garbage cans that are really, really far apart, you know, with sticks so they can see them and say, now get in there. And then you move those garbage cans in slowly but surely till it's hard, you know, kind of thing. There's just ways to do it. Here's the thing. With every single one of my kids, I hop in there with, I'm not going to say how many years, but a lot of experience, and everything is second nature to us as adults. But to them, they're going what are all these dials and things? I said, oh, I don't even know. You know, you know. who checks the battery light? Well, some of you need to check your battery indicator, but most of you are like, I don't know, care how many volts. I, I don't care what my oil pressure is necessarily. It should be there and it's not in the red, so I'm okay. Most of it you ignore and you're able to tune that up, but you don't know that when you're a kid and you're looking at everything. And I, can you put that picture up there? And, or is there any way to put that? I threw that on you. I love watching these videos of the new self-driving cars and don't groan and moan. I know it's kind of hard. Look, that's where we're headed. We better get on board and help them succeed because otherwise we're all gonna crash. So we need to get on board with that. But I love watching the videos of these AI self driving cars and the things those processors are doing. Have you ever watched those videos? They're amazing. You know, there's a, it's, it's tracking people walking. It's watching the curb. It's looking at the lights and it's all doing this simultaneously. And it shows us, I think as people, as you watch one of these videos, look at it and it's amazing. It teaches you to, this is what you're doing all the time and you don't even know you're doing it. You're tracking that guy. That guy's got white brake lights. He's pulling out. It's just going a mile a minute, but you're just, you're pulling all that information in. Okay. The point of that is, I have to understand that the person who's learning to drive here has never had to do any of that in their life, ever. And they're beginning it. It is overwhelming, and it is complicated, and there is so much. Our teacher and guide, the Holy Spirit and his word, understands that. When you start walking with Jesus, and you start reading this stuff, and you're like, it's, you know, I don't even know how to comfort there. there's some of it that's just the that's just the possible hazards. It's not even showing you that it's reading the signs and the lanes and the traffic and all these other things but that's just a that's the best image I could come up with and then it shows all the sensors that are going out all the car just pulsing constantly, trying to let you know what's happening all around you all the time. Well, we're doing that you know anyway. Thank you Aaron, for pulling that up Solomon is gonna. And God is, by the Holy Spirit, systematically take us through. Look, you, you got to drive. That's not an option, God says. You're going to walk this walk. I know it's hard. I know it's complicated. I know it seems overwhelming at first, but it will become second nature. It will become who you are. It'll become so easy that you'll... Be able to share it with other people eventually and teach them how to walk this walk. It's as simple as that. And these Proverbs do that for us. They take us through step by step. Look, the first thing you got to choose is to listen to me. You know, are you paying attention to me? Yeah, I don't think you are. Are you paying attention to me? Look over here. Look over here. Every teacher, sorry, I thought pull you into this. Every teacher knows what that's like. Can I have your eyes? Can I have your attention? Can I have your attention? I don't have your attention, Johnny. Johnny, Johnny, put the pencil down. You know, there's just this, that's the first thing God does for us. There are no other ways to learn this life or to live this life other than what I'm about to tell you, God says. Are you listening to me? Solomon's trying to get our attention. All this wisdom, all this instruction, all this understanding, all the justice, judgment, and equity. You hear those words all the time today, and people are trying to find answers to those three things. Without God, they're all wrong. Everything you need to know about justice, judgment, and equity will be found here in the scriptures, the right way, the accurate way. Everything, he says, that pertains to life and godliness is found in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Everything. So do I have your attention, he says. don't well, think we do. And that understanding that all the answers come from our God and from our Lord help us to have that healthy fear. I need to listen. I need to listen. But fools, and we don't have to call each other fools, and I don't have to label myself a fool. But here's the identifier of a fool. They despise wisdom and instruction. Oh, Dad, I know. I don't want to learn how to drive. I know how to drive. I've been driving on, I've been driving since, I, you know, me, you know. No, We driving or Xbox driving or PlayStation driving doesn't count. It's not the same thing because there's no respawning, okay? <laughs> You're not, you, so old people are like, what's a respawn? Well, younger people know what I'm talking about. You don't get three lives. You got to learn. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The understanding that he has it. And we don't. And that he's going to give it. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And he'll say that a lot. And the reason he says that as a good king and as a good friend and as a good father of the faith in a sense. Is because if you don't listen to me, it's foolish of you. You're, you're asking for destruction. Verse 8. My son. And I don't know that he's necessarily speaking just to his son, but he considers himself a father in a sense of over the nation. Hear the instruction of your father. And do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. First thing I want you to do is listen. Listen to us when we tell you these things. We tell you these things because oftentimes as adults, we've gone through these things and just don't want you to have to go through these things. It's a very simple concept. I have done wrong. I have gone down the road of foolishness. I have ignored instruction. I had my dad over. He's 82 years old. and We had a birthday party for him yesterday out at the house sitting next to him. And I was just thinking about how creepy of a little kid I was, a creepy kid, just naughty, mean. And how good a dad he was and willing to. And even when I'm trying to, you know, talk to him about, I'm so sorry, I was such a creepy kid. You know, he goes, oh, no, you're not a creepy kid. You were never a creepy kid. I said, no, I was a creepy kid. I don't think you remember things right. And so I tell him some stories. And he's like, yeah, you're a creep. And <laughs> <laughs> by the time we were done, we were in agreement finally. And, and uh, but his eyes didn't, he never saw me that way. He always saw me as, you know, oh, you just got to figure this out or is hopeful, you know, kind of thing. Appreciate that about him. But I didn't listen to him. That was part of it. I knew more. I knew better. Or I wanted a different path. I wanted a different life. I don't want to be like that. I want to be like this. You know, whatever this was. My uh, password for many of my, or used to be, you can, doesn't matter, was Stuntman. Stuntman 1000 was what I used for all my passwords because that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. I want to be a stuntman. I want to jump off buildings. I wanted to drive cars into walls, things like that. And I did (laughs) and caused a lot of property damage. It caused my parents insurance. I mean, I was just that kind of person. Foolish, you know, foolish. I never hung my dad's wisdom around my neck as a chain of honor and respect, you know? And I always say that for the young folks in the crowd this morning, um, it isn't that we want to lord over you, and it isn't that we want you to become mini-me's. It isn't that. We just want to help you avoid heartache, difficulties, and the hardships that we had to go through because we didn't do this. That's all Solomon's going to do. And as much as he begs them to listen, he does understand it is going to be your choice, ultimately, whether you do or not. It is going to be your choice. My son, if sinners entice you, because here's the other voice, you've got your parents' wisdom or the people that love you and care for you and are self-sacrificing for you, that voice in your head, there is another set of voices. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole. Like those who go down to the pit, we shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us and let us all have one purse. We'll split it. You know. This is the, uh, if you want to uh, you know, break this down into a simple verse, it's if, you know, if your friends are going to jump off a bridge, would you do it too, basically? See, naughtiness, evil loves company, loves it needs it, in fact. I know what I'm about to do is wrong. I need pawns around me to encourage me, to give me the courage to do it. But I also need pawns that I can leave behind so the consequences fall on them and not on me. That's the whole point of it. Come, come with us. Why do you need me to go lie and wait for people? Why can't you do that by yourself? Well, because I'm going to you know, tell on you. Is the idea I'll throw you under the bus in a heartbeat. If it means I can be safe, because if I'm willing to do this to some innocent person and plan this out against somebody else, do you think I'm going to treat you any differently? The minute it's become me or you you're gone. And Solomon is just trying to share that with them. Son, don't listen to these sinners. Yeah. Maybe the idea of free, easy money, which it's not. I mean, imagine the planning and the risk and I mean, be an entrepreneur if this is appealing to you. <laughs> you want to risk it all? Go start a business and make some money. I'm all for that. But the work they have to do to rob somebody is unbelievable. If they just apply that in a good way, they'd be fine, you know? Don't listen to them when they tell you to do that. And he tells them why ahead of time. And he, Solomon has seen this. You're not going to split up the purse. Here's what's going to happen, verse 15. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your your foot from their path. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. But they lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. You think you're going to Take from somebody else, but it's not going to end up that way, you know. There's a wonderful little video of a, of a man, and he's doing a video conference with the judge as he's being sentenced, and they're going through some sort of arraignment hearing. I don't understand the process necessarily, but the judge, being a woman, and the and the and the and the, and the inmate whose fate is being decided that day, um, is a, a younger black man. And I say that because. These two end up in the process of going back and forth about it. He goes, are you, are you, and I don't know the name. I don't remember. Are you Jeremy? I just picked that name. If you're Jeremy, apologize. Are you Jeremy? And he goes, I thought I recognized you, judge. And he begins to weep uncontrollably because it was a classmate. Two lives who took two different paths, two choices. And she's like, oh, Jeremy, what happened? And he just shook his head, you know, just decisions choices and the wrong ones. And they're sitting there looking at each other. He goes, and she, she wants, you can see, she wants to have compassion and pity, but this is like number 10 for this guy, the mandatory minimums and all these things. You could just see this heartbreak right in front of your eyes. I just, I, I watch that. I wish everybody would watch that. I watch these things and it breaks my heart. Cause it's a, it's a, it's a biblical truth. Shown, I mean, this is it. This is what it is. Nobody expects to go to jail. Everybody expects to get away from it. Nobody expects to get caught. Everybody expects to just live their lives as if nothing happened and it goes unnoticed. But it doesn't. Our jails are full, absolutely full of people that thought this was going to make the way. And didn't. I think verse 15 is the key. If you want to take anything away from this morning's teaching, please circle, underline, and keep that. Son, just do not walk with them. Don't walk with them. Don't walk in their way. Keep your foot from their path. These are identifying things. When I'm around people, because that's all they are at first, I don't know whether they're friend or foe, whether they're healthy or toxic. I don't know any of those things about them. When I'm around people and somebody leans over and says, hey, I got this idea and it's illegal and it's going to cause harm and it's going to steal from somebody else, I don't need to build a relationship with them. I know that they're not going to be good for me. And their choices and their decisions are doing nothing but trying to drag me to the pit. Now, that doesn't mean I don't minister to them, but I don't walk in their way. And I don't walk in their path anymore. We're not going to hang out on a Friday night with pizza and have drugs on the table or alcohol on the table or whatever it is that we have on the table. And just, I don't want to spend the whole night saying no to these people. No, I don't think I'm going to do that. No, I don't think that's a good decision. No, I don't want to, I'm not going to be there. And that's all Solomon's saying. You don't have to be at that table. You can still love them and minister to them without being there in the midst of their planning and in the midst of their, you know, well, whatever it is that they're going through, avoid that. They'll be able to have the opportunity to minister to them, probably with a phone through plexiglass with phone on the other side with an orange jumpsuit, then you can minister to them. But you're protected. That's the first thing. Son, protect yourself from these people. Don't walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. There's nothing wrong with avoiding unrighteousness. That's not an unbiblical thing. That's not an unchristian thing. Jesus ate and drank with tax collectors, not when they were doing it, when they were being sinners, when they were when they were uh, being uh, corrupt, but when the opportunity arose for him to minister to them, that's when he did it. There's a difference, and we need to have wisdom to know that. Keep yourself from that. John fifteen fifteen. This is what it says. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father I've made known to you. I picked that verse because it's one of many of the attributes that Jesus has, or his feelings, or his roles that he plays in our lives. He's a friend. He's many other things. He's a friend. He's a counselor, a king, a helper, a teacher. He's all those things at the same time in our lives. But when I find myself saying, I've got to say no to how many people? All my friends are disappearing. I don't have anybody to hang out with anymore because I'm following Jesus now. No, you have a friend in Jesus. And it's not a cliche. Jesus says, I call you friends. When we hang out, when we spend time together, I'm going to build you up and lift you up and carry you at times. I'm going to be your helper and your guide. I'm never going to lead you astray. I'm never going to lie to you. I'm never, I'm going to fulfill that need in your life to be your friend. I am your friend, he says. That's why it's so important. We teach our kids not to have the philosophy of Christianity, but the relationship with the person of God. He's a real person that speaks to my heart, and I spend time with him, and I talk to him, and he talks back to me, and he gives me the information I need and the, and the, the feelings that I need from other people and the attention and the affection. I have all of that coming from God so that I don't have that excuse. I don't, I'm alone. I'm never alone. I have the best possible friend I could ever have in Jesus. And I can add to that friendship other friends for sure, but I can be picky. (laughs) I can be choosy because I'm not in such desperate need that I'll grab on to anything and anyone just to fulfill that need in my life. He goes on to say, I'm your counselor. There's nothing wrong. There's wisdom. We're going to read that about having a multitude of counselors. But if I don't have any counselors that are biblically sound or godly, I do have one. I have Jesus, I have the Holy Spirit, he's my counselor, he's my guide. He's going to lead and guide me into all truth. It's all fulfilled in him. And then I can add counselors to my life, but I can be picky, and I can be choosy, because I need to be biblical and sound just like Jesus when they talk to me. Likewise, he's my king. Yes, I want biblical leaders. I want godly leaders. But I never forget, first and foremost, that I have a king, King Jesus, and I'm a part of his kingdom, and I'm a servant in his kingdom. And everybody else under him are subordinate leaders to him. And so I look for the best and the most, and I can be choosy. I'm going to look for the best that sound just like Jesus, or as close as possible. Helper. I need help. Well, you have all the help you need in Jesus, but yes, we would love to help you. We bear one another's burdens, but if there's no one to bear your burdens with you, you're not abandoned. You have someone that's going to carry you and help you. He says so. I'm your helper. Teacher, I can't find a church. Then get into God's word. He'll be your teacher and your guide. He'll show you. He'll lead you. You don't have to sit back and say, well, if I only had a good Bible teacher, I'd learn the Bible better. No, that role is completely fulfilled by Jesus Christ, by his Holy Spirit in your life. He's your teacher and guide. And then you can be choosy about what pastors you listen to. And they better sound just like him. They better. They need to. Very important. That's all Solomon's trying to say. My son, don't walk in that way with him. Keep your foot from their path. Yes, you can put up with and you can resist their temptations and their words and their thoughts and their coercion. But what Solomon is saying is, I, can, I don't think you can hold on forever that way. I don't think you can push back constantly. I want you to avoid that. I want you to do well. They aren't going to help you up, but you may be able to help them up. For their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. I thought we were going to McDonald's. Well, yeah, but we've got a few stops to make on the way there. Let me out of the car. Nope. And now you're in it. And now you're in it. Solomon's wise. Verse 16, for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain this net spread in the sight of many. They're the ones that are going to fall into their own trap. They're the ones that are going to end up getting caught. Wisdom calls aloud. Here's the other voice. Again, back and forth. He's not quiet. He actually calls her she. She's not quiet. Wisdom is, is is loud. Raises her voice in the open square and cries out in the chief concourses. She's not hidden. At the openings of the gate in the city, she speaks her words. How long you simple, this is what she quotes, this is what she yells. How long you simple ones will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. She's loud and says, how long are you going to be simple? You know, Don't be simple. In fact, on Wednesday night, we discussed that there were situations where some people are just always learning but never able to come to the truth. And I always wondered about that verse. And I think it goes along with this. Some people just like the driving thing and like the other maybe metaphors that we've used this morning. It's it's just, it's too much. I just, I'm tired of, re- I don't want to, I try to read and I don't get it. And, and, and I And I used to be reading, but then I ran into a tough passage and I just stopped reading. And well, There isn't anything in life that isn't like that. What's your favorite subject, you may ask my kids? Oh, I love math. You love math until you get to algebra. Then you don't love math anymore. Oh, I always understood algebra. I hated geometry. Well, fine. There was a point, though, wasn't there? I love it. I love it. I love it. This is hard and crazy, and I don't get it. Quit or work through it. And then get back to Algebra 2 that you liked, which I don't understand, but maybe you did I don't know. And then trigonometry and calculus. And then well, if you got beyond calculus, I, you just, we probably will never talk because you're too smart for me. But we talk sometimes, don't we? The math, you know. The Bible's the same way. Yes, oh, I get Genesis in the beginning. You know, there's seven days. I could even make a coloring page. for it. You could go through these things, and then you get to some stuff. Then the Nephilim, the bo You know, the giants of the land that had, you know, intercourse with women. (laughs) What? You know, too hard. I don't get it. Persevere through it. Stop being simple to the point where I'm just too dumb. No, you're not. None of this is beyond your reach or scope of learning. None of it. None of it. Don't let anybody or yourself tell you that I can't understand the passages or understand Scripture. We had a time period in church history where that was said. Bibles chained to the pulpit. Nobody commoner was supposed to read the Bible because you're too stupid to understand it. You let us wise people interpret it for you. Never supposed to be like that. It was never, ever supposed to be like that. When they began to print Bibles for everybody to read, oh, people were so happy, you know, so excited. I encourage you to read and persevere and go through it. And just be simple no longer. Don't ever say that again. I'm just too dumb. You're not. You Absolutely. Because the Holy Spirit is your teacher and guide, and he's given you the brains to understand it all. And he will. Now, you may need remedial help like I did in math, you know. I took both algebras twice. Just did not compute. But my tutor helped me through. Took the time (laughs) one-on-one, you know. And I got it. And I got to be, not just a C or a D. I got I gotta be in those classes because he took the time to do that. Then you, you'll run into passages like that that'll slow you down. But don't stop. Work through them. And that's what he's saying here. I want you to get through these things. I want you to learn these things. Stop being simple, wisdom says. I want to teach you. I want to make it known to you. I will make sure you understand it. Verse 24, because I have called you. Called, and you refused. I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. Sounds mean, doesn't it? I offered to help. I told you wisdom was free. I told you I'd make it all known to you. And because you refused and walked away and disregarded my help, I'm going to laugh when you fall on your face. He says that because that's what it looks like. He, I mean every after af, after school special I ever watched of those bad kids dropping out of high school, you know, back in the day when they'd have the after school specials and I'd watch them and it's so boring. I hated those shows. But every one of them was about some guy who knew better than the teacher and he had a leather jacket. He was going to quit school and go up. And you already knew the story before they'd even, this guy's going to fail and he's going to end up in jail. And the teacher, you know, they're going to try to help him. And it does, it just falls like that. In the process of being proud and knowing more, wisdom knows you're going to end up looking like a fool and humbled at the end of this. And it feels like whether it's actually happening or not, everybody's laughing at you. They just do. It just feels that way. I feel stupid. Well, you are. You were simple. You chose simplicity. You you chose not to learn, not to grab wisdom, not to walk in the ways of the Lord. And it, it bit you, just like it said it would. You know Who can take fire to their bosom and not be burned? The scriptures tell us. A ridiculous thought to think that you can go beyond God's word and not get burned by it, by not following. You know. So she says what she means and means what she says here. I'm going to laugh at your calamity. It will feel like that to you. You're going to be mocked. It's going to feel horrible. You're going to feel alone and foolish for doing these things. Now, this is on Proverb 1 to make you understand, to help us all feel this way so that we listen to the next 30 that are coming up here. Listen to me, he says, she says. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, When distress and anguish come upon you, that's when I'm going to laugh, he says, or she says. Because it is going to happen, and it comes fast and furious. Verse 28, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. It's too late. You're behind bars. You're already caught. You're already busted. You already lost your marriage. You lost your kids. You lost all these things because you thought you knew better than Scripture, thought you knew better than God than to do the things I asked you to do. And now you're begging me to fix All the problems that you chose by not following my word. It is so much easier to not have problems or start problems than to try to fix them later. Men, we need to be men of God. We need to lead our family spiritually. There is no way around it. Women, you need to be followers of your husband and listen to him. You do. I think I can do better. I think I'm equal. I think I can lead him you're going to have problems. You just are. These are hard things to say because the world has a different path for you and is giving you different wisdom from them. And we can see the results of it. Whether you agree or not, I just want you to be fruit observers. Then look at the fruit of the world's plan for men and women Versus the fruit of God's plan for men and women and compare fruits. That's all you need to do as to whether which system or which path leads to life and which path leads to destruction. It's obvious. They'll call on me, but I'm not going to answer. They're going to turn to me, but it's going to be too late. They despised every one of my rebukes. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way. And be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will stray them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. Verse 33 is usually when you zip up your Bible and close it. Please don't. Because this is probably the second most important verse in this whole proverb. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely. And will be secure without fear of evil. Who doesn't want that? Christianity, Jesus, the Bible, the Holy Spirit tells you, whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. I don't have to have any fear of evil when I'm walking with the Lord. Every funeral, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It may be like that. It may be dark. It may be a valley. It may be horrible experience. But with Christ, I don't fear. I can walk through every single valley of this world without fear. That's a promise from God that I hope you take this morning as we go through all these Proverbs of the next few weeks, several weeks, to listen to what he has to say to you. Some of it will be brand new to you. And you may even struggle with a little bit. And you may be tempted to do what Proverbs 1 just warned you not to do, to turn away, to not listen to the rebuke, to not take the advice or take the instruction, to not hang it around your neck like a gold chain, to not receive it. And then the other part of Proverbs 1 will then come upon your life. It absolutely will, and it does for everybody without fail. And so that's why this first proverb was so important to cover slowly and carefully, Because the rest, hang on it. It'll either be a wasted next several weeks for you to go through these. Because you're going to pick and choose. Or it's going to be a wonderful, life-changing time for you. Because you're going to accept and be transformed in the renewing of your mind. Your thoughts are going to change about things. You're going to start thinking the way God thinks. And not the way the world's conditioned you to think. You're going to be straightened out. You're going to be deprogrammed. It's going to be a wonderful time, and I hope we all hear it. Last verse that I want to do is a cross-reference, Matthew 21, 44. Then you can zip up and close. Whoever falls on this stone, Jesus says, will be broken, but whoever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Falling upon the rock of Jesus Christ is a humbling thing. I humbly fall upon the need for Christ in my life. And I will be broken, but I won't be crushed. I will be restored and made new from this moment when I decide to fall upon the rock of Jesus Christ, to rest upon his word, to trust in his Holy Spirit. But if I don't, this rock is going to crush me like powder. The truth of God's word will absolutely obliterate me. Because I will live a life contrary to God, contrary to his word. And he says, no, That's what vengeance and justice is set up for, to deal with that. And you've placed yourself in a place where I have to deal with you. It's a warning for us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your proverbs, for your wisdom. Even the men writing it understood they were under their own scripture, uh, had to follow, and many of them don't. We look at the writer of, you know, we look at Solomon and some of the things he did. And oh, my goodness, Lord, we know that. Some of the stories, but that doesn't nullify what you, by your Holy Spirit, spoke through him. And so we thank you for this. We thank you for your wisdom, your love for us, your care, that you're willing to take the time to teach us how to drive, to teach us how to walk this walk, to understand the complexity of it all, but teach us in such a way that we can get it, we can learn it, we can do it, to where it becomes second nature. So God, we yield this morning to you and to your word. We yield in every way in a world that is so loud and so competing for our mind and heart. We set our mind and heart aside for you and your purposes. So Lord, teach us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer before you go, we'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, have a good rest of the week.